Babe, wake up. Babe. Oh, oh no, the room's on fire. Woo, woo. Oh, it's uh, an alien invasion. Pew, pew. I guess I'll just eat this egg McMuffin. Huh? Is there another one? Or... Wake up breakfast at McDonald's. Mix and match two classics for five bucks. Choose from an egg McMuffin or a sausage McMuffin with egg. Each made with real butter and a freshly cracked egg. Price and participation may vary. Can it be combined with any other offer or combo meal? Limited time offer. Single item at regular price. Welcome to The Masogi Method with work happiness expert Jody B. Miller. Each week, Jody introduces you to amazing people who have broken through huge barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness in their lives. For every one of us, the path to lasting joy has always been there, but it may take a masogi to get you on it. Jody did it, her guest did it, and now you can too. Here's your host, Jody B. Miller. Welcome to the Masogi Method, breaking through barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness in your work and life. I'm your host, Jody B. Miller. I am so excited to be talking with the creator of modern surf and ocean photography, Aaron Chang. Aaron has won numerous awards for his photography and is internationally acclaimed. His fine art photographs grace the covers of more than 100 magazines, and I believe his photographs connect us with nature and really uplift anyone who sees them. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. I am just so excited that you are here. You are definitely a change maker in the world of photography and fine art. I mean, I think you are on par with Ansel Adams. That's a bit heady. I'll have to step <laughs> down from that. <laughs> well, he's an inspiration, I would imagine, for many photographers. Well, as we all know, Ansel sort of pioneered uh, bringing nature into people's homes. He also was a pioneer in the art of photography by manipulating his blacks and whites to a new level. So we are all students of Ansel, I think, anybody serious about nature and landscape photography. Yeah, definitely. So how did you get your start with just these beautiful, inspiring photographs that you take? I got my start in high school. Um, I took photography as an extra class, and it was really something that intrigued me. There's a certain magic. This was back in the film days when you would shoot film, process the film, and then print the pictures. And that whole process for me was right up my alley. It was just fascinating. But it really came about as, my, as a result of my love for surfing. You know, when I was in high school, I had an accident and broke my ankle. Couldn't go surfing, so I started shooting my friend surfing off the pier in Imperial Beach. And oh, that, yeah, San Diego, yeah. That was when I really sort of discovered that magic that photography can be. Do you remember the first photo that you took? Well, I remember like it happened yesterday, the first roll of, of Super 8 millimeter film that I shot. Oh, wow. And it was off the pier of my friend surfing. It was back in the days when you would mail the cartridge to some lab somewhere. I don't know where it was. And two or three weeks later, it would come back in the mail. I remember cracking that package opening, open, darkening my friend's living room, busting out his father's projector and running that um, roll of film. It was pure magic. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, word has it that you used to show slideshows from your trips when you'd come back from uh, photographing 
waves and landscape to your friends in Imperial Beach and Coronado? Yes. You know, when I was in high school, I learned uh, that you could learn about your own work from a, another perspective by presenting it. We used to present our work weekly and we'd all kind of have at what was right and wrong about the images. So after I got out of school and I started traveling and, and doing my preliminary shooting for Surfing Magazine, I would do these slideshows, one, to kind of stoke my friends up and show them what I've been up to, but two, it was also a very intense learning thing for me to see which images resonated with people by watching carefully what their reactions were. And this is something that I continue to do. I, I love to do this is to present the work in slideshow format. So has that changed for you over time? That, like, Do you have an instinct of what you think is, let's say, your best photo of that session, and then you get um, clarification? Yes. You know, I use classic filmmaking uh, structure in a slideshow. You kind of do an opening. You do establishing shots. You kind of drive into a peak shot where you want something to really make an impression. So I, I am aware now of all these things that go into building a slideshow and where to put the, the images and how to play one off the other. But it's still, it's still the same kind of magic. When you, when you get the sequencing right, the timing and the music and all that synced together, it's, it's quite an, a fun experience from my perspective. It's very cool. So you mentioned Surfing Magazine. I, you went on to spend about 25 years of your life as one of their senior photographers, right? Well, if you tell a young kid growing up that his job was going to be traveling around the world with the best surfers going to the best waves, uh, I couldn't think of anything better to do. You know, I, my whole drive for photography comes from my passion for the sport of surfing. Uh, I started surfing when I was 10 years old, and it was my objective, my primary objective, to surf all over the world. Um, I did move myself to Hawaii when I was 17, and I landed my first uh, job shooting tourists going to luau's in Waikiki. Oh, my goodness. I remember going to those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was on top of the world. You know, I, I had a job. I was living in Hawaii and just... Uh, loving every moment of that. But the driver was not to be a photographer. It was to go surfing. Oh, and, you awesome. know, my photography career actually got off to a very slow start because when I lived on the North Shore, I would go check the surf in the morning, look at it. My friends would go, yeah, go get your camera. I'd race home. I'd look at my camera. I'd look at my surfboard and out the door with my surfboard. So, oh, my goodness. And, you know, it was a different time. I mean, the surf magazines initially were published bi-monthly, so I always felt like there was a lot of time to play with. So I did, I did spend a lot of time surfing, but what it did was allow me to get very comfortable in the water in Hawaii, which is kind of playing in the big leagues there. And so when it was that perfect day and it came time to swim out with my camera, I had a really good sense from a surfer's perspective, the things that I wanted to show and the things I wanted to see. So I think that that ability in surfing gave me an advantage over the other photographers 
because I, I was really approaching it from a core perspective. Yeah, I would imagine you'd know exactly when the swell was going to turn into a great wave, when it was going to break, when to snap the picture. I mean, I can see you probably just felt the whole process. Yeah, it's, it's doing water photography is probably one of the most difficult forms of photography you can never endeavor to do. You have to triangulate so many elements. There's the wind, the tide, the swell direction, the light, the, the surfers, you know, your position, your water housing, the lens you choose, where you choose to put yourself. And everything's dynamic and moving you know, I use, often use the analogy of a bullfight. You're kind of the matador and these big things are coming at you and you have to put yourself right on, on the right line for the wave so that you don't get gored as it goes past and come out with a photo. Meanwhile, focusing and composing and all that. Oh it's, my goodness. It's really a, an, an incredibly challenging and fun activity to do. Tell me a little more about the challenging part. I mean, to me, some of your, for example, your cerulean photo of the giant blue wave that is the one that I just bought. And by the way, I have to tell you, it's, it's so powerful, yet it's so beautiful and, and it calming at the same time. How close did you get to that wave? That looked dangerous. Well, whenever you're swimming in, in the water, um, you know, you gauge your proximity based on your own safety. And again, having that experience, you kind of know where you can sit and safely pull off a shot and get out of the situation. The Cerulean image was shot at Chopu in Tahiti, probably one of the most powerful and dangerous waves in the world. And what I love about that photo is that it's a massive crazy dangerous wave that's captured in that photo but at the same time there's not a drop of water out of place it's such a beautifully sculpted thing and the colors are really unique because it was shot during a rainstorm which wow. allows such a breath of blues to come out I mean the water there is crystal clear and on a sunny day, it's so bright and contrasty that you get white water and deep blues, almost black. You don't get the subtlety of tone. And why that's so important in this image is that when you get into the blue spectrum, it enters a place in your brain that actually triggers a sense of relaxation and calm. Yes. Add that's that with the water element, you're doubling down on that effect. So you mix that with this amazing, powerful wave, and, and those are the things that are triggering all the emotions you feel when you view this image. Oh, I can completely relate to that. When I was in your gallery, I just stood in front of that photograph for quite a while, just going back and forth between excitement and danger and calm. It was just, yeah. it was amazing. And then if you contrast that with one of your newer ones, Silver Sunrise, it almost looks like a renewal of a silver wave. I mean, I felt like I was awakening and beginning again by what, looking at that photograph. Well, that's great. It's telling me, your comments tell me that I'm doing my job. Yes, you are. <laughs> anyway, the, the interesting thing about presenting photography is that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give people um, something that stimulates them on different levels 
you know, the way that you're talking about has very, is very emblematic of a, a fresh start to a new day. It's the first light of the morning hitting this beautifully fresh wave that's got a puff of offshore wind on it. And I think it's really beautiful the way the light dances on all the facets of the water on the face of the wave. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying very hard to make images that everybody that sees it has their own emotional response to. And I think that's the interesting aspect of what I've been doing is working on finding those, those images that really reach out to people and, and cause an emotional connection with them. Definitely. I, I felt that. There was another photograph I was really inspired by and moved by. It, it almost had its own room. It, it looked like um, a, sh- a close-up shot of a pier. That's uh, one of my first early successes. It was done underneath the original Imperial Beach Pier when I was back in college. Um, it's a study in geometry. It's a study in light. You know, I was working with um, a very famous photographer, Arthur Ullman, who was teaching me to recognize light in very trace elements. This shot was done under the pier about half an hour after the sunset. It's a long exposure, so the light from the pier is kind of painting the water. And it's really, for me, one of the first successes, although everything in the photo is slightly off, it's all off in the right amounts. Mm-hmm. And I think that photo is significant to me because that was where my career started. I shot my first photos off that pier when I was in high school. And I, I really love that image. It's been very well received by my fans and collectors as well. I think what's really cool about it, not only the colors, but, but just the fact that most peers you see that are photographed and many peers are photographed and I'm sure you've seen a gazillion of them, but it's usually the full pier or a side view of the full pier, but you just have this close up piece of it that I feel like I'm on it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Piers are a very popular subject and you, you see the one in La Jolla done all the time. But what I love about this picture is it's got a very organic feel. I mean, this was an entirely wood pier. And like I said, nothing is symmetrical and everything's off in it. But it really works well. And for me, there's a very strong emotional context because you're at a unique place at a unique time. And I always kind of go back to that. And I remember that whole equation staring at the light, wanting to see how it was going to pan out. It's kind of like when you hear a song and it brings you back in time and it it emits this emotion in you. That's what your photographs do, I feel. Well, that's nice to hear. My photographs are a chronicle of my life because when I look at it, I can go back to so many details like music takes you back. The photos Mm -hmm. do that for me. So getting back in the water again, another photo that I noticed in your gallery in Solana Beach was Corey Lopez in in the barrel. I guess was that also Chopu? That was another shot from Chopu in Tahiti. And it was shot from inside the water, inside the wave, looking out at a surfer riding in the tube through the face of the wave. Okay, how did you do that? (laughs) That sounds impossible. (laughs) It's it's a pretty heady little game because you have to sit in front of the place in the wave where you think it's going to barrel. 
as the wave's approaching you, you swim down to the bottom, you turn as it passes overhead, and you swim up to it and kind of chase it as it breaks along the reef. It's a really tight equation because the risk you run is you need to get close enough to the face of the wave to see through it. If you get too close, you could end up being projected headfirst onto the reef. So it's, it's, it's a fun thing to do. It's very exciting, very scary, high risk. And when you get a photo like that one, it's incredibly satisfying because it's not something you want to do often. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds dangerous but exciting. Have you ever had a setback in the water taking photographs where you've actually gotten caught in a wave or shot out from a wave or pushed I've, it a little I've, too far? I've had a few, <laughs> including breaking my neck while surfing. Um, oh. That was kind of the major setback. But I, I do remember a particular wave, a pipeline, uh, getting caught on the reef a little too far inside by about a 10-foot wave. And the physics of that, I think, are a million pounds of pressure per square inch in the lip of a big breaking wave. Wow. So it is literally like a bomb going off. I mean, the pressure is intense. I was really happy that my eardrums didn't break because that happens to quite a few surfers. Um, I remember swimming to the surface kind of doing inventory, and I was really happy that I got through that. I picked my housing up, which felt really light, and I realized that while I had the handle in my hand, the housing had been blown off. Oh, my goodness. Gone. And the funny part of that is it also took off my swim fins and my surf trunks. Ow. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> boom, gone. So it, it, it's, it's quite exciting to do this. But once you get caught like that, you realize that there's a certain risk factor, and you try and mitigate that by not letting yourself get caught. And I think one of my keys to success is I had this funny sense of proxy and I kind of knew I can sit here or I can't. And I always listened to that. And if I didn't feel comfortable, I would take off. And sure enough, a lot of times I would just make it a kind of a rogue wave or a bigger wave that was coming at me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you'd make it out of the way of those big waves. That's kind of the, one element of um, of a masogi of going way outside your comfort zone like you do on a daily basis to achieve that next level of success and a big part of that is trusting your instincts and and following them and it sounds like you you have that completely dialed in well it, it's interesting because um, photography is about putting your place at the right place at the right time in front of an event So you have to make calculations. And particularly, as I mentioned, it's difficult because you're trying to triangulate weather and opportunity and surf. But it's something, I think that that awareness is something that translates to almost everything you do. You kind of think it through. You make decisions based on what you know works and doesn't work. And then you try and bring your game to that situation and play it as best you can. Yeah. So, so Aaron, when you're thinking of a picture, like, do you all of a sudden wake up and say, okay, this is what I want to do. And then you go find it somewhere in the world. It's, it's interesting, but there's so many ways that photographs come about. A lot of times the answer to that is, is yes. You want to pre-visualize, but what's interesting about photography is that 
it rarely plays out as you pre-visualize it. But what I think is really important in photography is to have enough experience to recognize that there's always an opportunity there. You may just not be seeing it correctly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does play out the way you plan, but most of the times you have to be kind of nimble. You know, I I would think of a basketball player, you know, where you think something's going to go a certain way. And in the last instant, you make a split decision to jag left instead of right. And it's kind of the same artistically with, with images because, you know, it, when you're trying to triangulate weather and, and subject and things and marry that with equipment and lenses and tripods and all that stuff, it really needs to be kind of flexible and play the scene as you encounter it. And, but it does help in the, in the process to be pre-planning because it does get you to be in that situation to have those things. So that makes complete sense to me. Um, I'm, I was thinking of another photograph when you were talking about that planning element and that split decision. You have an underwater black and white of a gal named Michelle that looks like she's almost flying underwater, and it looks perfect. Like, How did you make that happen when you're dealing with a person as well as all the elements? That, that was... Um we were doing a, a shoot on Kauai for a hair product line. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Well, her hair looked perfect too. <laughs> action in the water. And, you know, it was interesting because I have to kind of direct the person to come, come up with the things that I'm looking for. And, you know, I thought it would be really peculiar if she just stopped and looked at me. And, and this is, that was something that I've seen a lot with seals and even dolphins where you're underwater with them and they just kind of stop and look at you underwater. And so I asked her if she would just kind of turn and look at me. And that's what she came up with. I just wow. really love that photo because it is very ethereal and otherworldly being underwater. And that brings me to your giant whale underwater. It looks as though you could touch that whale, that humpback whale. That was an incredible experience. One of those life moments. If I, um, I was in Tonga working on a film project with some friends, and this was our first encounter. And the way that whale whales work is the the mother's calve, but some of the matriarchs are the escorts for the the mother and the child, or the calf, I should say, and. Out of the depth, this was one of the escorts that came to check us out, and she swam directly at me. Oh, <laughs> so, my goodness. You know, and, and it's crazy because underwater, things are a lot larger than they appear, and so a big whale looks massive. And I just kind of sat there and held my ground, and she swam within an arm's length of me, staring me down. and. Had she wanted to, she could have easily clocked me with her fin, but (laughs) she gracefully just sailed it over my head to let me know, you know, who was the boss here. And, you know, we had an eye to eye moment there. And that's where that photo came about. 
it, it was quite a moment. Stunning. So memorable. So memorable. It reminds me of when um, I was in the Maldives and I snorkeled with a whale shark, which, as you know, are bigger than a bus, for about a half an hour. Have you ever thought about photographing whale sharks? Well, it's definitely on my bucket list. You know, I'm, I'm uh, planning to do a trip down into Baja to do that. It's something that we've wanted to do for quite a while. Yeah, I could, I'm sure I can't wait to see when those come out because those creatures are amazing. I think I was about four feet from it, could almost touch it. So I've also noticed, Aaron, you've moved into, you're doing underwater, you're doing surfers, waves, uh, beautiful water landscapes. And I've, I've also seen you've gotten more into these um, creatures in their natural habitats like the whale and lions. Like, what drove you in that direction? Well, I, I think, again, it's my imagination. When I was a young kid, I used to watch black and white Tarzan shows on TV with Johnny Weissmiller. And so oh, I've always yes. had this incredible fascination with elephants in particular. So when my work at Surfing Magazine started taking me to South Africa, I would plan an extra month and just go chasing wildlife through the bush. And, you know, I'm always fascinated with creatures and, and the design and fabric of life on this planet and things like that, big things, predatory things like elephants and lions and tigers and things put you at a sense, actually hyenas too, which are oh, really gosh. terrifying. Oh my. I, I had a face down with a hyena once in South Africa that I'll never forget. But it's, it's interesting because you, when you become part of the food chain, you really have a, a deeper understanding of life and a, and a greater appreciation for it. And so, and they're just creatures, whether it's a hummingbird in my backyard or a lion in South Africa or a whale in Tonga, it's it just, it's, it's almost like a celebration of being alive when you're in the presence of those beautiful creatures. And you know, your photographs really show that. I can tell you have such a respect for nature and, all the everything that's in our world. You know, I think life is an amazing thing. You know, as I mentioned, I broke my neck once, and when that's everything's scary. in the balance, you really stop and reflect on what it is that we have. And I think being alive is amazing. And I'm constantly looking and dazzled by the things that I see from plants and trees my my plum trees getting ready to sprout leaves oh, <laughs> beautiful. About it. you know and um anyway I, I just my mission is to kind of inspire people and and what i love doing best is photographing these miracles all around us and presenting them and hopefully people when they look at them they find the same kind of e excitement to embrace the day and and to celebrate life. And, and if my work can do that for people, I'm very, very happy. And, and I, I can definitely tell and feel it in your photographs. I, I noticed also that you, you're doing some more multimedia type sculpture work. For example, um, one of my favorite pieces I saw in one of your galleries was the dolphins on the surfboard because I'm a I love dolphins. I remember watching this movie, Day of the Dolphin, and I actually went to college thinking, this is going to sound a little crazy, but I was a marine biology major initially because I wanted to teach dolphins how to talk. 
kind of crazy, <laughs> but I've always loved dolphins. So when I came into your gallery and saw them on the surfboard, I felt like, oh my goodness, it would be as though you're swimming with the dolphins. Yeah, that surfboard with the dolphin print on it is, is one of our most popular surfboard prints. I've, I grew up making surfboards in high school, so, and I love process. I love all the different processes. You know, we do photography. We've been, I've wrapped rally cars that went to Morocco. Oh, uh, cool. I'm doing sculptural pieces for some of my clients. Uh, I've been experimenting with lenticular prints. I have a project where I want to make a 20-foot wave out of 60 surfboards. I oh really, my goodness, Aaron, that's a Masogi. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the process. And I love all these different things. So, um, yeah, I'd love to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I know this question has probably been posed to you a zillion times, but do you have a favorite photograph? Uh, I have favorites, but they're kind of like children. You know, each of the photographs have their own characteristics, their own personalities. And on any given day, one may rise to the top. But there are definitely some landmarks that I've made during my career that I really value. There's one that I have called Titanium Sea that I really love. It's more of an abstract. It straddles a fine line between reality and and complete abstraction, and it's one that I, I really connect with emotionally and artistically. So how, how do you mean it crosses over? Are you, are you using a different technique when you take that photo? Yes. You know, most of my work is centered on technical excellence, which includes sharpness. But this completely abandoned sharpness, and I'm intentionally blurring the photo by whipping the camera um, horizontally, at a slow shutter speed. So I'm, I'm really just painting with light and using oh, cool. my camera to capture that. So it's kind of a new direction for me. I've had some pretty nice successes re recently. The opportunities are kind of fleeting to make those pictures, which is why I value them so highly. But it's, it is really, you know, it's, it's like when a guitar player starts to, or a violin player starts to slide the strings and make the notes come alive. That's kind of what I feel like when I'm doing these kind of images with my camera. I'm sort of sliding the pixels around and, and creating my own, my own sounds, I guess, visual sounds. That's very cool. I mean, it's, it seems to me like you just continue to stretch yourself and you achieve your next huge, huge milestone. And then you say that's part of your new comfort zone. And then you go and stretch it further. And so I have to imagine that you're moving beyond the gallery. You're moving beyond the individual home. And aren't you starting to be more in corporations and organizations and lining their walls with this beauty? Well, it's, it's really interesting, but a few years ago, I got involved with Scripps Hospital in Encinitas, and they were redoing their emergency room, and, and I have a few pieces up there, and it's been quite a remarkable uh, thing to hear the reactions that people have to the art while in those situations of extreme stress and duress, and, and it's it was kind of remarkable, but since then I've really started focusing on the healthcare industry. And we've been studying the psychology of photography and its contribution to the calming and healing process. As it turns out, 
the, in the color spectrum, blues and greens trigger an area in your brain that really causes you to kind of relax. And it can actually trigger a response that promotes a healing environment. So when you do that and you couple the subject matter of water, you kind of amplify that effect. And so without really knowing it, I'm in a place of making images that can really enhance a patient's experience in a hospital, help them to relieve their stress and, and calm themselves by focusing on these images. I've been very fortunate and uh, I have received a commission, actually a few commissions now from the Sharp Hospitals around San Diego. Mm-hmm. And we did a project for them for their new Rancho Bernardo Medical Center, and we photographed the nature in the Rancho Bernardo area. And it was really interesting because when we mounted the works, we created over 200 unique images for this this facility, which is state-of-the-art. When I walked through the tour, the opening, it was remarkable because the staff there, the doctors and nurses, were over the moon with the art and really went out of their way to tell me how much they appreciated having those images in the facility because, you know, they're focused on a very intense situation most of the time and having something to escape with visually and mentally is really important to them. And since then, we've really started to learn about the psychology of the right art in the environments and We've worked with quite a few different large corporations bringing art into their offices, and it has a proven effect on employee morale and even productivity that can be very significant, and it's something that a lot of people are now becoming aware of, and it it can make a really dramatic impact, not only on your staff, but also your customers and, and people that visit you. It can really reflect not only your interest in the community, it can, and it can be a signal on how you value your workforce and your employees. And it's, it's becoming more and more important for corporations to really understand that the art really has, has a lot to do with their success. So I've been speaking to different groups about this and learning more and more about this. It's so interesting that you just taught me something because I, as as I told you before, <clears throat> we started recording our interview, I actually go into a lot of corporations and do these workshops about employee engagement and really having their people find what matters and having them feel like they matter within the company. But I never really looked at the walls. And then I went into Hulu. And Hulu, if you've ever been in there headquarters have pictures of each of their employees doing the hobbies or the passions outside work that they love. And so you walk in, and I know you've done um, photographs of people as well, portraits, and you just feel happy when you go in there because you're seeing, you know, Tom and finance is actually loves fishing. And you see all the value and people feel happy because they feel like they're seen. You know, it's, it's interesting, but um, I, because of my work, what's on the walls is the first thing I look at when I walk into anywhere. And it really sculpts the atmosphere of, of the office or the facility by what you put on the walls. And, and 
where I'm at now, I'm really understanding the psychology of the art. What I do with landscape photography, and one thing that I'm doing that's very unique, is I'm focusing on the area because we all want to take pride in where we live and work. And to celebrate it with beautiful photographs is, is really something that's a winning formula. I have a client here that opened an office um, building in Seattle, in Bellevue, and they commissioned me to go shoot nature around the Seattle area, which was actually quite a beautiful assignment because it's a lush, mm -hmm. amazing place. And we did the entire lobby of this new facility with these beautiful images that celebrate the area. So that's something we've been doing more and more of. of I just want a commission to do art for a hospital that Sharp's building in Chula Vista in the South Bay of San Diego. So I've been working down there for months, shooting all the organic natural scenes of the South Bay. And I'm really excited to present. I have over 300 images that I'm presenting to them you know, uh, next oh, month to amazing. show them the art that was created. And what that does is it, it gives the staff and the patients something to be happy about. I live here. Look where I live. This is beautiful. So oh, it's, it's something we've been working on. And it, it can really... Um, enhance morale, like I've said, and, and I, I think it's really fun. It really tests my photographic abilities, and I, I continually grow during this process. That's amazing. So, Aaron, as listeners who are listening to you now talk, and they're thinking, gosh, I want to do that, what advice could you offer that can really help someone stay the course? Well, I would start with the motivation. I mean, you really want to do something that you're really passionate about. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's really important because in any success, there's a lot of hard work underneath it. You know, I, I'm at a place where I've invested 40 years of my life to get to this position. And I understand what I'm doing. I'm accomplished. But the first 10 years was not easy. Mm -hmm. What drove me through that first 10 years is that I was chasing surfers and learning to shoot surfing in Hawaii. I made a decision when I was a teenager that if I was going to do this, I'm going to the best place in the world. Yeah. So that took risk. You know, I had to step way outside my comfort zone. Much to my parents' uh, dismay, I, I forewent college to be on in the right place and I started learning. I think the one thing that's important to marry with your passion is some kind of plan. And you always have to be learning constantly. I'm still learning. I learn more every day. It's just amazing. But it's all the underlying driver for me initially was I wanted to be a surfer. And I wanted to figure out how to be on the beach all the time. And I was very fortunate to marry photography and surfing and put a career out together out of that. But it, if I didn't succeed, at least the time was well spent because I was surfing the best waves in the world. I was in a great place. And that passion allowed me to push through some really long, lean periods in my life and eventually come out the other end of success. I just love that. That's so inspirational. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. I can't wait to get my second Aaron Chang photograph. I'm going to enjoy my first one in my living room and just 
meditate on that. And I love what you're doing in hospitals and corporations. And the next time I do a workshop in a global corporation, the first thing I'm going to do is look on the walls and I'm going to say, you need to meet Aaron. <laughs> so we'll be talking. Um, so right. thank you so much. I wish you so much luck and I will be in touch. And if you have any parting words for listeners, here's your chance to inspire. Well, I'd like people to find the inspiration. I think you need to focus on constantly finding the things that drive you in life and, and project where you want to be and work to, work to get there. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Erin. You're welcome. Thank you, Jody, for having me. And for all my listeners on the Masogi Method, get that camera and start taking pictures and you may become like Erin too. So thank you. I'm Jody B. Miller and we'll see you next time. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, what have we got here? Save money on car insurance when you mental home. Auto with birth. Save money on car insurance. You ready? Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Huh, that sounded pretty good, don't you think? I could do it one more time, but I think that's... What do you say? Nailed it, right? Nailed it. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home an auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.